0: Welcome back. Thank you once again for hanging out with us. This is the one and only IT in the D Show. I'm your host, Bob Walton-Spiel. Again, apologies if there's any audio issues. I am on week three of my knee uh, replacement surgery, so I'm relegated to my non-studio, but hopefully we'll be all right because uh, I'm joined with uh, producer and co-host extraordinaire Randy Walker. Guest this week, Alex Linebrink. He is the CEO of Passage. We had him on about a year ago, and I love these kind of stories where, okay, you figured stuff out. You got going, um, and now all of a sudden you're uh, you're blowing up and you're getting to be big time. And you still remembered who we were. So, uh, Alex is in online ticketing, and there's a there's a whole world behind that. I want to get into with uh, crowd experience uh, uh, in competing with the big boys in the ticketing world and, and winning a bunch of local Detroit awards. You can find us online it in the d Do us a favor, give us a like on the socials and subscribe to us everywhere. Find podcasts are sold. Alex, how are they treating you, man?
1: Good, good. The year has been good for us. Uh, we're enjoying uh, getting into the winter. I wish the weather would hold off just a little bit here, but uh, going well and glad to see that uh, you're up and around here.
0: Yeah, it's been, a, like I said, it's been a couple crazy weeks. I, I need to do a whole podcast just on the, the lies they tell you when you get your knee replaced. They play it off like, oh, you'll be fine. Just let, you know, it's an assembly line and it sure is. And it's, I'm not, you know. I had a couple bad weeks, but no, I'm glad to uh, glad to be back up and around. So when you we first had you on, you were you were playing, you weren't you playing in the Halloween world in terms of ticketing. Is that how you got your break? Talk, talk, like talk to me on how you got your big break.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so you've got it. I grew up around haunted houses. Uh my dad's birthday is on Halloween. We build a haunted yard every year. We went to these Halloween trade shows and that sort of stuff. And so I had this in in my heart, and actually, when we started the company, I said to my co-founder Pat that that ended up starting it with me, Patrick Mish, um, and uh, I, I said, "Hey, like if we can get these niches, get into these niches, and provide features and functionality that are actually helpful to them, then you know we can replicate this. We can do this with other niche event verticals that have these special needs out there. So haunted houses. I mean, I think we talked a little bit about this last time, but." Uh, they're a totally different creature than just cash at the door like they used to be. Now you got to book your time in advance that you're going. You know, It might be by 10-minute inter- intervals. It might be by 30-minute intervals. They might have virtual queues for you to wait at the establishment. It might be a bundle of multiple different attractions. And you got to be able to handle all this in the middle of a cornfield. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a technical challenge at times. Um, so this is one of the ways that we really got into things. To this day, one of our sub-brands, HauntPay, uh, for haunted houses at hauntpay.com uh, is still the number one provider for haunted house ticketing out there. We work with over a thousand haunted events and attractions every year. Uh, it was all the same. We just got done doing something like $27 million in haunted house ticket sales last month alone. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a real business, you know, just that side of things, but we've continued to expand. Um, So our, uh, we've got, we've got a whole uh, category of events for food and drink festivals. We have one for escape rooms. We have uh, our our fastest growing segment is actually minor league and semi-pro sports. So that's our fastest growing by far. In fact, there, we just signed a really cool partnership uh, with the old American Basketball Association. You remember those guys, the red, white, and blue? Uh, It's back. It's back, man. They're rebooting. They got 151 teams. They're all using Passage to do their ticketing. So that's pretty exciting for us.
0: It's uh, it's old Dr. J, man. I'm an old man. I remember. I remember.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's back. They're playing like a lot of like they're they're in a lot of local uh, like high school uh, gymnasiums and some that are a little bigger, you know, be it might be in a college venue. They don't usually have their own venues yet. But they've got some good schedules coming up, so yeah, uh, check out Passage for those events coming up and find an ABA game near you. But yeah, we got a lot of cool stuff uh, happening right now, so definitely getting out beyond just the haunted houses.
0: Yeah, so I got speaking of haunted houses, yeah, I remember when it was, you know, there was one haunted house. It was on 13 and Van Dyke in the parking lot. They, they, you know, you'd be lucky if there was a DJ outside and there was like three thousand kids waiting in line. It was twenty bucks get in and you're done. And and now Mm -hmm. it's like, there's, there's like complete experiences. Um, those, you know, the, the, I think the Eloise, like the makeup and stuff going on and the, just the, the, what they're putting that through, um, completely different. And that's the thing I got so much to talk about, about this because like, I think we beat the live ever living hell out of Ticketmaster, And we look at old tickets, like when I, you know, went to Van Halen and service fee was a dollar and a quarter or something. And now, you know, now if, if you buy three tickets, you have to budget for four. And you're like, well, what the hell am I getting? And they're tr- I know that these places are trying to add experiences to this. They're trying to make that. I just read di- yesterday, Disney is cutting out lines mm. where it's appointment only. So if you want to go to It's a Small World, you're putting it in for three o'clock. Your ass better be there at three o'clock and you're not waiting in a line for an hour, which to me, it's fantastic. That's you know, that's half my day at Disney was sitting sure. in mine. Um, What is are, are, is anyone else kind of following that trend where like we don't want like so you you mentioned it with, you you know having a tea time for a haunted house, but yeah. what what is I guess what's the evolution of of um, you know not having actually having a a, a service for the fee, <laughs> sort of trying to get at.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, this software continues to grow and become more complicated and all that sort of thing. That said, the fees you're seeing on Ticketmasters and those sort of guys are ridiculous, right? Like most of the time, these these ticketing service fees are out of this world, uh, exorbitant. You know, you shouldn't be paying another 50, 60, 70 percent on your tickets. Well,
0: how did it get um, like that? Because I remember, I mean, okay. I'm old enough to remember when Pearl Jam boycotted it and that was 94 ish you know and we're still accepting it like well, how did how did it get the, how did it get this bad just people haven't revolted yet or what's the i guess what's the story behind that
1: yeah a lot of it comes down to the venues uh so that side the venues and the promoters which really hold a lot of power here a lot more than the artists because a lot of times the artists ends up just getting a contract, right? Especially the big artists, they're not revolting against it because they get a guaranteed contract. And, you know, take a master or a talent company like Live Nation, which, you know, same company right now. Uh, whole other story. They never should have been allowed to merge way back in the 90s there, but so be it. We're here today. Uh, and uh, so... They get a contract. They don't care that much because they're not actually getting every ticket sale. So they're just going along with whatever those guys tell them and they don't get their contract if you, you they don't go along with it. But the reason for those fees to start with, where a lot of that goes, is uh, kickbacks to the venues. So uh ticketing company, Ticketmaster originally, they started this a long time ago. They said uh before online ticketing was a thing, they started going to venues and saying, we're going to take over your ticketing. We're going to put it on this thing called the Internet. We're going to get you exposure like you've never had before. We're going to sell your tickets for you. And you're going to get 100% of that ticket price. You were selling your tickets for for 40 bucks a piece. You're going to get that $40. All you got to let us do is add on a fee here. And here's the crazy thing. We're going to give you $500,000 to do what you want to upgrade your venue. And you just got to stick with us for the next three years and let us continue selling, selling you out. And so they do that. And then these guys would come back and they're like after a couple of years and they're like, man, you know, this has been a great relationship. We're really glad we worked with you. Do you have any more of those $500,000 checks? <laughs> and of course, Ticketmaster's like, yeah, we got a bunch of those $500,000 checks. We could make it even bigger this time. All you got to do is you got to extend that to four or five years now that you're working with us. And by the way, we're going to, up that service fee a little bit more again and up a little more and a little more. And that's how it got to the point where it's those 50, 60, 70% of your ticket price there. It's relationships like that happening on the back end, which the problem with that is transparency, right? Like the consumer doesn't know where that money is going. A lot of times the artist doesn't know where that money is going, which is frustrating to them too, but but as long as they're still getting paid.
0: But if you told me, hey, you're going to do a $20 service fee and guess what? This goes towards making sure that Pine Knob has the greatest technology on the planet, I would be kind of fired up about it. I'd be like, okay, dope. I just don't want it to go in some dirty corporation's back pocket with no costs, right? Yeah. Because like pre-internet, when I bought a ticket, we would go in line at Harmony House or at Hudson's at the mall, and we would buy the ticket. But I just figured that money went towards them putting someone in the booth You know, you got to pay somebody to work there. And it wasn't that exorbitant, so we didn't really care. But like like I said, nowadays, if they would like transparency, man, like they really, again, I wouldn't feel bad if it went towards like, you know what? St. Andrew's Hall, the floor is going to cave in. We have to fix this venue. If you love this venue (laughs) and you want the best PA sound on the planet, that's what this fee go towards. And you'll be like, oh, cool. I'm down. But they didn't. They never did it.
2: Why list? Why list the fee separately instead of just increasing the ticket Boom. price?
1: I mean, right. Like that's where it should be. That's, that's what should be happening there in my mind. And and that's why we play it differently. You know, we, have, you know, we're at two and a half percent. They're at 50, 60%. We provide a very different service than a ticket master too, you know? Um, so that's not really a directly fair comparison there, but you know, we're, we're a third of what Eventbrite prices are. That is a fair comparison. We're in the same realm as Eventbrite. Uh So yeah, I totally agree with you, Randy that's what should be happening you should see them adding on that fee or it could be listed it could be included in the price but it should be very transparent there or just you know going to that venue and then i don't care if it's separated from the venue from the artists like i I don't mind that that's some cool you know yeah that would be cool to see artist gets yeah. as much
2: venue gets as much
0: randy it's probably taxes and accounting man like you know irs like i bet you there's so much behind it that none of us will have it's never cool. that clear yeah, unless that's what we should have brought an accountant on that knew this stuff that knows tax law for concert tickets.
1: <laughs> next time,
0: next time, yeah,
1: yeah. was anyone well, as far
0: as that? Go ahead, go ahead.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just saying it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all this, you know. But but as far as the experience goes, you're too, that's where I think this came from originally. Yeah. You're like, why are our fees uh, so high? What are we getting out of it? Um, I think what you're saying, a lot of that uh, anti-line trend is going to continue. So we've been getting into that with like haunted attractions and fall attractions and holiday events. We've got a lot of Christmas events this year that are going on, which is also becoming. There's millions of dollars going through our system right now for Christmas-ish, you light, light events and that sort of thing. Um, and those are really cool as well. And one of the big things that we've been doing there, the evolution of that time ticketing and picking your time slot – has become uh, virtual queues. So it's similar to what you're talking about with Disney, but on a smaller scale and one that's more accessible by companies that don't have billions of dollars in budget. You're right. Sure.
0: Disney wants you shopping and haunted hayrides want you buying cider and apple caramel that's apples. It. You know, it's all about mo- merchandising. You know, that's really what the end of the day, they just want you buying more shit. Um, yeah. And you had a service fee and they want you to buy more stuff. And everybody wonders why we're broke, you
1: know? Yeah, well, that's the truth. But it's more enjoyable for the attendee, too, if they don't have to stand in that line, if they can wander about, if they get the option to go get some concessions, all that sort of thing. So I think it does work out. Um, But you're right. Like one of the trends that we're seeing uh, this year after we got through our busy haunted house season and some of the other uh, holiday events that we've been seeing is that people are spending more per event, but they're going to fewer events. Uh, so that's the transition this year. Uh, the last couple you know, years, after go ahead. You no,
0: know, I was going to say the older the older I get, I'm either front row mez if it's at State Theater, or I'm getting like fifth row. I'm getting like prima donna seats. Like I refuse to sit in a shitty seat. <laughs> like every five years, I like I like do this big move on where I'm going. You know, I love going to live music, but like you know, I remember um, the my favorite story of all time is I saw Prodigy when I was 25 at state theater in the pit 35 I saw him and I was you know like the next row of risers right on the gold the brass rail and then I saw him again at 45 on front row Mez. so it's like as I'm as I'm getting older I keep like the lights are so bright we're complaining now and
1: <laughs> I'm with you there uh yeah I, I don't I can't handle the mosh pits anymore I can't handle you know quite the noise level that sort of thing uh, but yeah, I think you know, I think that's the the trend. People are you know starting to make uh, choices with their money there, and they're starting to try to spend it more at one or two events rather than going out. and They'll go all out with those concessions, with those midway games, if it's an attraction like that, um, with upgraded seats, upgraded packages, VIP packages, that sort of thing, rather than just trying to spread it out and go to a bunch of things and pick the cheapest possible seat.
0: So one of the cool things that I've seen lately is. It's a little video um, of the what the detroit Lions are doing with their crowd um analytics and it blew my mind i know i know data's king these days but it's very difficult to capture um who's what where how when you're inside the venue years ago i know that we had a, a app on that was basically tried to crowdsource Meaning if you're in line for the hot dog, you're going to put there's five people in front of me. Didn't think it worked and it didn't. Well, it evolved where today with sensors, Bluetooth, uh, mobile apps, there's a way to know, you know, it's kind of like I, I did a case study on Walmart years and years and years ago where they would RFID the packaging. Okay. And at any minute, Walmart knew what was in the back room, what's on the floor, what's in a shopping cart, what just got bought today. Right. And it's kind of like the lions have evolved into that thing, going, all right. how many people are sitting in their seats how many people are on there using their phone using the app what where are they at you know how long are the lines for the bathroom how long was the line to get in for ticketing and it's a, uh, it's remarkable to be candid like what what you they know once you walk mm-hmm. into that gate at ford field and i'm wondering how soon before we see that i guess in a small venue set where you don't have to invest millions and millions of dollars on sensors and you know that type of technology
1: I think it's coming. Um, I think that there it's coming in a few different ways. Uh, you know, so one of the things that's been happening there is, you know, first the sensors and technology, right? And and uh, you know, BTLE, Bluetooth Low Energy, gives off a, a unique ID when you uh, enter the premise there, and if you are entering at about the time that they're scanning your ticket, they can match that up. They can track that throughout as long as they have some sensors around. But what we're seeing now is that's transitioning to this AI-driven image recognition stuff. And uh, last time I went to, just a couple weeks ago, we were in uh, Universal Studios. I had a trade show down there, and we took a couple days, went to Universal Studios, and they were doing image recognition for their admission. They were test-driving image recognition for their admission rather than having you even scan tickets or scan a badge or anything like that, just viewing your face. Now, they have to take a picture the first time. Uh, Clear is doing the same thing. If you go to the airport and you happen to use Clear they you probably in the, if you did it in the last few weeks they've are going through and they're rescanning your face and next time you go they're just going to take your picture they're not going to do anything else there they're just going to know you by that and that'll continue to be able to track you i mean a lot of that technology's been around forever in europe you know with all those cameras it's just getting faster and faster and with fewer cameras fewer sensors and that's what makes it available to the smaller events too being able to do that we're not really working on anything much right now on the side of like actually tracking people throughout the event, but we can tell you buying habits of those people. And we can tell you a lot of, uh, you know, uh, habits uh, for for things that, that Google comes up with. So when somebody lands on your site, a lot of times Google can bucket you based on all their machine learning and the tracking that they've done. They say it's not as much the tracking anymore. It's more the machine learning on how you're clicking around. But they, they will tell us whether somebody is in the market to buy a home. On the Google tracking now that we've got associated with ticket buyers, yeah, it's crazy stuff. They'll try to tell you what their interest levels are, what they're in the market for, if they're if they're a smartphone user, what their age range is, what kind of phone they're using. Obviously, they've got the fingerprint of that if they're using mobile device to buy tickets and that sort of thing. So they'll match all that up, and you can track that through them, and you could do ads against that. You know,
0: yeah. Where is where is the line? <laughs> I got Yeah, I, I was going to ask that, that diving right into that. Where's the line between, you know, big brother, don't track me, China, and I want a great customer experience. I feel like that line is very gray and it's very thin. Um, I guess, where is that? <laughs> where is that line? Well, they're trying to give it to the
1: consumer. That's why you keep seeing all these banners down there that says, you know, every time you go to a new website, it says, do you agree to accept my cookies uh, or my session data yeah. or whatever it is there? And you have to click accept if you want the full experience, right? There's some required ones, but then there's some optional ones and you have to click accept on those. And, uh, you know, we do the same thing. And now we're trying to use AI to start, uh, you know, actually, you know, this will be coming out next year, but to start recommending events to people based on their past purchasing habits and browsing and that sort of thing. Um, You know, some of this, I I think, uh, obviously, it's better if it's up to the consumer what they what they want to do. But, you know, as well as I do, people aren't reading what they're what they're clicking except to down there. That's the problem there. Like nobody, nobody reads the fine print, whether it's on a signed document or on your web app, you know, and there's where the problem comes. So I just hope people continue to use it for good. But I can tell you, like the last time we like applied for a loan with our business, I started getting phone calls from every loan company in the U.S., you know, because I didn't read some fine print. Um, And you know what? They didn't care when I said, put me on your do not call list. They're legally supposed to stop calling you. Nope, they just keep calling. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing, right? So there's yeah, sometimes people go over the line there.
0: I got a thing with, uh, I'm going to call them out every minute I get his realtor.com. Just for clicking a house, I'm getting calls from real estate agents. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I know the market's a little rough right now with interest rates, but man, I just click, I didn't click send me info. I just click to look at the house.
1: That Frustrating, Yeah.
0: Yep, so I'm not a
1: huge fan of that stuff, and 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 we're not pushing it in that direction at all. I want you to be able to use tools on our site, you know, to to get uh, good recommendations and get pushed in the right direction. And we do have some really cool visibility into that because, as I mentioned, we already kind of break things into categories ourselves on our site, so we can tell at a fairly high rate, like, hey, uh, people that go to haunted houses or this age range of people that go to haunted houses also tend to buy tickets to. To beer festivals or something like that, we can do some of those correlations, and it's cool. It's so much data that you can't, we can't process it ourselves. But you know, putting these AI engines into place, we can start to process some of that data because it's doing it for us. Yeah.
0: And I think that's the big issue. Like I'm just talking from my you know personal anecdote. Life is yeah. all of a sudden I'm on Facebook and go, dude, I didn't know Echo and the Bunny Men were in town. Dude, I didn't know Ministry was in town. You know, and then all of a sudden yeah. it's like, I, you know, I try to keep up, you know. I mean, I, granted, you know, I, I look once in a while or I talk to friends, but like knowing what's coming up, it, it's, it, you know, it's a lot of work figuring out, you know, That's how often, well, how often you go you know, like, you know, Randy, I don't know how much live music you go to, but like, you know, how, how often are you going on going? Who's coming up in the next three months? Who's playing? You know, but then you got to look through 16 venues. You know, it's, it's a lot of work.
2: It's been pretty good lately about that. I just got... Uh or I just went to see Dragon Force and Amaranth at uh, Majestic and I got an email a couple months ago saying, Hey, pre-sales are happening tomorrow at 10 AM first you you're
0: first to know. So did you look- sign up for that? Because I don't, I don't get a lot of those. I got those. I think when I bought my wife Duran Duran tickets, I think I got emails for that. I don't one.
2: remember signing up for that specifically, but they're only emailing me about bands that I would be interested in. Like I got another email saying that Elven King are coming up and those are Groups I'm interested in, so I'm not getting general purpose. You know, hey, look at this weird
0: Swiss yodeler that's coming, or anything <laughs> like that. Right? What's wrong with Swiss yodelers? Um, and it, dear marketers, um, we like those kind of emails, so please send us more of those and less of other stuff. Um, I don't know how we <laughs> can get that across better. Um, so you guys, so you guys just celebrated a milestone, Alex. You guys, what eight million tickets sold? Yeah,
1: yeah. Since we started, eight million tickets.
0: That's a lot. I mean, you just think about especially if you're doing small venue, it's only a couple thousand per, per you know what I mean? It's not like you're selling out Ford Field or you're not selling you know what I mean? You're not you're not in that world yet, yet.
2: And when we had um, you yeah. on June twenty twenty two, you were at your six million milestone? Or was that five million? Um
1: Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was probably six million, probably right around there. Yeah. We've, we've ramped up this year. We'll hit about 2.2 2 million in tickets sold. So, so yeah, wow. it's definitely ramping up. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, next year will be a 10 plus, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, yeah, you're right. A lot of these are small venues, you know, a lot of events doing a hundred or less people at an event, you know, not huge stuff. Some of the sports we're doing are starting to get, you know, bigger and bigger, but a lot of our stuff is really small. So that's a lot. And we feel honored to be there. I mean, it means we're doing something right with it. I think you know at that point. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'm surprised you're not like you know not to not to call them out or you out, but like DCFC, Jimmy John's. There's a lot of you know um, hockey. The hockey up in Plymouth. There's a lot of uh, you know. Are, are is it that you've tried and they've said no, or what's uh, what's with some of the local local big lo, you know, the bigger names here locally?
1: Yeah, I mean DCFC is a great one. So we actually had a long-term partnership with them. Um, and for their men's team, they switched leagues again recently. So actually last year they uh or actually just this year, they had to move away from us for that one because they were part of a league that SeatGeek sponsored back into where where does the money Got go? It. Uh <laughs> but they didn't have a choice, you know, not DCFC's problem. But we're still doing ticketing for another side team that they have in the PASL which is another league that we signed recently. We signed an agreement with and we're doing uh, all the ticketing for all the premier arena soccer league teams. So it's kind of a winter league uh, arena style league. It's a little bit faster play than normal soccer. So, yeah, I mean, that's one that we've worked with and we've had a good chance to work with a lot of other decent size, you know, soccer teams and baseball teams. We don't currently work with Jimmy John's, but, you know, we'd love to in the future. Hey, Jimmy John's, give us a call. Uh, but uh, you know, we have a lot of other stuff locally, so I can't complain too much. I have a lot of festivals going on, a lot, a lot of other stuff that we we work with locally. And one of my favorites is actually uh uh Go Comedy in Ferndale. It's not too far away. But if you ever yeah. are looking for a comedy show, man, go up there. We've worked with them for years. I just love improv comedy. I went through their classes a long time ago. I'm an improv nerd, so love that stuff. Yeah.
0: I may or may not have done a 10-minute set there um and told a story um that's that they highlighted and put on youtube with my full name it's not like i've it's not like i'm bob smith i have a very unique last name so uh all right ever, i got to find this if you ever if you ever if you ever google me on youtube it's my ted talk with dave and then me telling a story on how i shit my pants on a date at go comedy improv um <laughs> yeah, love it. yeah. <laughs> Thank, uh, forever they're going to be tainted in my mind because it's like i was literally the last person to speak out of a two and a half hour whatever set and they isolated my talk and put my name on it and then tagged me and all that stuff um and i forgot about the I wanna TED talk, talk that was was that 2018 18 yeah yeah, we were. Uh, we,
1: I think uh, we one of us either we went on and then you went on, or or you guys went on and then I went on. I remember that was actually the first time we met. Uh, was at the Masonic yeah, Temple. At the tent be, yeah, there. We
0: were, We were the first ones after like the the third third session. First ones because I remember we went to Temple Bar and got liquored up before we went on okay. stage. So I knew we'd were- love it. <laughs> um. I want to talk just because it's it's relevant to day job and stuff and I'm, I'm fascinated by it these days and I'm scared by it is this whole AI world. and know we, I know we touched on it a little bit. Um, one of the things we're talking about we had I saw a demo today in, in the retail world where we put it, we're putting out kind of these um, it's almost like a advanced Siri where they're product specialists and you can program it basically. It's limited you know in terms of the language models. Um, but it's a super cool way to, you know, not be a chat bot, not be, you know, to like, Hey, you know, and I'm not talking about like, Hey, where's the mustard, but like, Hey, can you tell me some features on this GE toaster? Um, but I'm I'm just looking at this for relevant use cases for ticketing. It would almost be like, you know, putting a chat GPT prompt and going, Hey, I want to, you know, I don't want to spend more than 200 bucks a ticket. I want to sit in the first 10 rows. What do you got for me? and just like instead of going through that that kind of 20-year old process is that have you guys thought about that or is it is it in the works is it even doable um or, or am i in a, you know
1: uh, 100% doable
0: uh 100%
1: doable 100% coming i can't tell you exactly when on that part that one is a little bit farther down the line but we do have a one cool feature that's that's um on the other side, so you, we've got two sides we deal with. We deal with the uh, the ticket purchaser, but we also deal with the event organizer. Uh, they're really our clients, right? They're the ones coming to us saying we want to work with you on the ticketing, and then they're going out and and you know we're helping them market to those fans out there. So the event organizer is always asking us for for help on on their stuff. And sometimes it's just, you know, help in the back end. We've already got AI there answering questions that they have about our system. Here's how to use these features. Here's a guide through. Here's how to do that specific thing you're asking about. So we've already got that. Uh, but uh, one of the things that they've been asking about is better data for a long time. It's kind of what getting back to what you were talking about, about marketing to the right yeah. person for the right different thing. And um, so one of the things that we have coming out later this month, by the end of the year here, is is our goal. Uh, and and I should send you a demo of this if you like checking out demos because it's amazing. It looks like magic to see is uh, a bot that will help help you analyze all the data you've got in our system. And we collect a lot of data around those users. So you get to see all the different user data for your events. And you can say like, hey, uh, bot, you know, I don't need this full reports, you know, in the reporting section here. I just want to know. How many people purchased for my 830 time slot uh, You know, for this event in July versus August? And what is that percentage difference? And can you put it into a chart? And it's like, sure, here are those numbers almost immediately. It's like, here are those numbers, exactly what you want to see. You know, you could chop it down by the individual user preferences if you want. Here are the ticket types they purchased. Here's what was going well, what wasn't, and you can even ask it, and it'll put it into charts. It'll put it in CSV downloads. You can even say, "Should I consider a sale to up my uh, up my uh, sales?" And it'll give you preferences. It'll say, "Yes, it might be a good idea here because we see your sales in this ticket type have dipped five percent this month, so you might consider doing a sale to to you know boost those again." It's really amazing to watch, you know. So that's just step one for us. That same bot we're already building into it. This will be a little bit later in Q1. Uh, we're already building into it the uh, ability to um, uh, update and even create events for you. So let's say you decide like, hey, bot, that was great info you gave me. Now go ahead, make that sale happen, right? Give me a promo code for 5% off or 10% off or buy one, get one for this. Uh, for That's only good on Fridays for this uh, VIP ticket because I want them to go up to that next level there and uh, make it only good through the weekend here, it'll be able to create that for you. Or it'll be able to uh, up your ticket inventory for a certain time slot and do that sort of thing automatically just in plain English. One of the crazy things to me to think about is like, you know, I'm sure just like you guys did, I came from a world that started in command prompt. I was doing DOS, you know, and that sort of thing. Actually, I was doing Commodore 64 (laughs) before anything else, but started with those command prompts. And uh, then went up and you start, we started getting Windows, you know, we started getting GOS on the uh, Commodore 64, but uh, then, you know, start getting these user interfaces. They start getting better and better. And now I've got all these Windows all over and they look beautiful. And now we're just getting rid of them again. We're going back to text, natural text. Um, which is kind of weird to me. Now it's natural. Back then it wasn't natural. You had to know exactly the command you were putting in. Of course,
0: <laughs> it's weird. I've been, no, you've been through it. It was mainframe computing. And then it went to server based, and then it went to cloud based, uh, which which is technically mainframe. It, it, it what's old is new again, and it it, it changes. It's going to change again. You know, it's just we just yeah. got to ride the wave of what is now. Um, my last bitch, and then you know is is merch sales and it's not my bitch because I, I refuse to sit in those lines but my daughter went to taylor swift it was like an hour and a half wait to get a stupid 80 hoodie my other daughter went to weezer it was like i think she said she waited an hour for in, in for like you know why is it when you buy a ticket you can't say i would like this shirt in this size and then you know it's like pre-orders right here and you walk up and you grab your shit and you go to your seat like you know to me, it seems like it's a no brainer. Why hasn't anyone looked into it? I have no idea. Yeah, so we do that.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I I feel like you're setting me up a little bit on that one, but <laughs> we do that. No. We do that. We love it.
0: <laughs> no, that's one of the
1: things we got off uh, on the start. We were frustrated um, just so that when we started looking at haunted houses and then these other specialty event categories that we were dealing with. We didn't go after music right away. We work with some music now, but originally we looked at a bunch of different categories and we were like, "What are the complaints that we're seeing here?" And a lot of them were that they they were smaller events, right? A haunted house happens part of the year. These guys usually have day jobs the rest of the year. They're smaller events. They don't have a full ticketing staff, all that sort of thing. And into uh, the other events, a lot of the other events we work with, even minor league sports teams, a lot of times it's one guy running it on the side, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then uh, uh, they they don't want to deal with all these different vendors. They don't want a separate merch you know, company. They don't want a separate payment system for concessions. They don't want online versus at the door to be separate companies. They want one trusted partner that can do it all. And so we came to them and we said, I, can, I came from a payments background and ran a payments company before this. We did like all the uh, credit and debit card payments for Quicken Loans and when it was Quicken Loans, sorry, Rocket, uh, mm-hmm. Cleveland Cavaliers, a lot of the Dan Gilbert stuff and some other stuff. So you did a little bit for Caesars. We did a lot of different stuff. And, um, uh, when I got out of this and came into this, that was one of the things I looked at. I'm like, we want to do all payments, not just online ticket sales. And we want to help be that trusted source. And it's worked. A lot of people, you know, will then ask us like, Hey, can you build us a website too? Could you do this? And we have to at some point start referring them outside of us. But that was one of the things we thought would be a lot easier to start with. We have a full point of sale system to handle that stuff at the door and tell you how many t-shirts you got to bring with you because that's the amount that were pre-ordered online, all that sort of thing. You can just go pick it up with the same ticket that you use to get gain entry. You can scan that again at the merch booth and they'll give you your items. Um, so it is all there. I think that's coming down the line, but it's a lot easier at the small level actually than the big level for that one. Because at the big level, they like having separate partners that they can get to bid to work with them, you know, on that on yep. that top tier yep. level, you know. So um, yeah, they can't just do stuff on their
0: own. Yeah. It's funny, all my complaints you've already solved, so I can't complain anymore. <laughs> Alex, we're gonna cut you loose. I, I uh just want to congratulate you on your continued success. Keep pushing the envelope. It's uh it's great to see not just that you're doing well, but you're actually uh you're you're innovating in your in your uh changing the game. And I, I freaking love it. I love everything about it. So um, wish you nothing but the best. And I thank you for your time.
1: I oh, appreciate it, guys. Thanks a ton, Bob. Thanks a ton, Randy. Uh You guys are doing God's work here as well. Love the show. It's it's amazing, the info you bring to the tech community here. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. Alex Lonebrick, CEO, Passage. You can find him at gopassage.com or in our show notes that we will publish on Thursday. But uh, on behalf of Bob and Randy, do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it.